You're listening to Common Ride with me. Common Ride with me is a weekly Tokusatsu podcast with between two shows. One is the yearly podcast that covers shows as they're coming out or at a similar pace, and one is the book club where we cover things over the course of several months like a book club. You're about to listen to episode 200, the Common Rider 5's book club looking at the movie Paradise Lost. Hen Shin. Time to once again open your eyes for the next fives. As this is episode two hundred of Common Ride with me, two hundred, everyone. Oh, really? Is this episode two hundred? Yeah. Holy shit! You should have told us. We should have done something like big for this. I was gonna say we should have watched a better movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's where we're at. But yes, this is episode two hundred of Common Ride with me. It's been a minute since uh, the show started, but I'm glad to be here with you all for Copyright Finds Paradise Lost, but uh, some thoughts on it being 200. I thought you guys knew about it. No, and I'm super stoked that for our 200, I get to be with you and David. Like, this is the best, like, 200 you could have asked for. It's almost as good as our 69th. Oh, what did we do for that? We watched that movie about the guy throwing chicken at people, and it's still my favorite episode we've ever done. What? Chicken? You mean hentai common? Or something else? Yeah, wasn't that the one where he like got that bucket of chicken and he was like angry at people so he was throwing it at them? It was hentai common, yeah. For 69, yeah. We did that very specifically because it also fell on like Valentine's Day or something, so yes. we had like a super sensual episode. Anyway, that's all distracting from, this is my second favorite episode we've ever done is our 200th. We just started, so there's lots of time. Um, so now like, I'm looking at, like, yep, 69, Hentai Coven. That's just there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then episode 51 is recommended underneath it with the caption, a girl went in a hole and he feels bad. So just <laughs> some quality stuff was going on back then. Uh, and now as well. But uh, yeah, so episode 200. And we have a lot to cover. We have Paradise Lost. We have to get ready for decade next time we have to take some questions but the very first thing i want to do is because of our recording schedule we couldn't record on but let's talk about how we celebrated kaiser day september 13th <laughs> the biggest covered rider holiday wait when was this uh it was last wednesday what the fuck did i do last wednesday yeah i think we ordered a pizza did you wash your hands when the sauce got on you? Why in God's name would I? Am I a heathen? I mean, Kaiser Day is a fan favorite holiday. Um, so hang on. Can I get some clarification on what Kaiser is? Is Kaiser Day when Kuska fucking dies and everyone's happy? Because I would celebrate that 1000%. In fact, we'll get to it, but I kind of want it to. So Common Rider Fies types in 555 in his phone when he yeah. transforms. 
Kaiza types 913. Okay. I got hoes. I got hoes. September the um, 13th is a Common Rider fans holiday. Oh. Because of that. Where people post pictures of Kaiza, like the one I sent, which is him with a bunch of Hello Kitties. I watched a documentary on Hello Kitty the other night. Was it good? Yeah, it's kind of interesting. <laughs> now, the art there, I won't uh, use it because that would be a lot, but it is uh, from Cynical Ruins. It is Kaiza with a bunch of Hello Kitties. Um, the- <laughs> okay. Um, at Shungris has this good post for Kaiza Day that we can all believe it, I think. I'm going to throw all my sport behind that one. <laughs> it's a picture of Comrade Kaiza with the text be the reason she doesn't have a boyfriend anymore mm-hmm. oh, yeah it's like all memes and stuff um, the actor who plays Kusika uh, loves to like get online and say thanks everybody <laughs> and like retweet art I would hurt his feelings so bad just because I hate his character so much which is a great testament to him as an actor that I despise him, but on the other hand, it'd just be a, I, I don't know if I could separate art from real life. Oh, he's like one of the most like adorable dudes, like when he's not acting, like he's just like he's the reason they got like a Hello Kitty sponsorship. I honestly believe that because just from things that I've seen of him like offline. It seems like he really has that talent to be, like, the best guy that you hate in the world. But, you know, I kind of like living in my fantasy world of him being Kuzka. So I'm just like, no, I'll punch you in the face if I see you in real life. It's a fun day. There's lots of, like, good posting, lots of good stuff. Um, And we got a couple of announcements, actually, for Kaiza Day. Uh, And first off, we have an announcement for when... The new Kamen Rider 5's movie, Paradise Regained, the 25th anniversary special, is coming to theaters. What? Yes, please share. February 2nd, 2024, which means David gets to see it in theaters if he wants. Fuck yeah. I'm I'm putting it on my calendar. I think we need to have a special episode for that. If it's as fucking weird as this one. Yes, exactly. I want it to be. I want it to be ten times weirder. I want it to be like this movie on an acid trip. What we should do is have David just like record his response, and then months later when it's subbed, we can like all watch it together though, because like he'll see it in theaters and be like, "Wait, what?" and then have to talk to us when it's actually released. Okay, I think what we should do is have him do that and film his reactions, but then you and I do the same thing months later and we create like a super cut. <laughs> it can be a Patreon bonus or something. <laughs> uh, we also got a new key visual for the movie. What? Which kind of relates to Kaiza Day, though. Uh, it's censored, but it's fine. It's a little pornographic. What the fuck? <laughs> So just like Phi is getting a new form, seems like Kaiza is too. Holy shit. I kind of like it. It looks better than Phi's. And also like early on, David, you mentioned how Kaiza's like mech looks like the one from Robocop. It has never looked more like Robocop than right here. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Some Ed 209 ass looking dude. Yeah. Got a real cyberpunk look to it. I like it. Actually, yeah, it does. It does look like the the one from Cyberpunk. Mm-hmm. 
yeah, he's got a kind of like Adam Smasher vibe. It's mm-hmm. I, I'm here for it. I love it. I have no clue what this movie is about at this point. Like, I have some assumptions, I guess, but well, I think, you know. Okay, I think we should talk about what our what our thoughts are for this movie after we talk about this one, because some shit happens in this movie where I look at this poster and just go, huh. Yeah. Okay. I think if if somebody had asked me, uh, what exactly is this Fies movie about? Is it like a romantic movie? Is it a comedy? Is it a thriller? I would just be like, yes. I, like, I don't like know Nolan's what you films, want yeah. me to say. It's got a little bit of everything, but not quite enough of anything to make it memorable. It's more like one of those 90 movies that we all watch that were like, yes, I feel really inspired. But 10 minutes later, I can't tell you what the fuck I just watched. Like, it's. I would argue it's memorable. <laughs> I It's memorable in that way that like, yeah, you'll remember parts of it but you're not going to remember them in order and it's not going to be anything important so i mean it's it's memorable in the way touching a hot stove with your hand is that's true like you never want to do it again you did it once you get it you don't have to follow through on this so another thing that um toby likes to do with their uh, tokusatsu is they have toby tokusatsu fan club which is an online fan club where they'll release specials uh-huh. And to coincide with the release of Kamen Rider 5's Paradise Regained, they've announced Kamen Rider 555, uh, a new special called Kamen Rider 555 Murder Case. Oh. Murder Case. So basically, um, Kusika is a detective trying to solve a murder while Takabibari and the other characters are suspects. Oh. I mean, wouldn't he just instantly fucking blame Takumi? He's like, you orphan fuck. Exactly. <laughs> I know it was you, and I'm gonna get you. He could he could have a video of Mari committing the murder, like, with her <laughs> smiling into the camera, and he'd still be like, I'll bet, I'll bet Takumi's behind this. She's just, like, rolling around in the corpse's blood. She is, like, she's, like, seductively running it down her her body, and he's just like, no, oh, no, fuck Takumi. I, I know he's the one who did this. I mean, yeah. Uh, <laughs> we all know. <laughs> uh, this is exactly what people wanted, though. Some guys of weirdness, bruv. That's, def- that's definitely weird. And let's be honest, with this movie, we saw a lot of interactions that were kind of confirming all of our theories anyway, so it's not like they had really a straightforward, uh, this guy ends up with this girl relationships. In fact, they kind of pointed to the more um, homo-romantic vibes in the movie than they had in the show for the past couple of episodes. I think homo romantic is actually like the like new species name for orphanox. Like, I was going for that. I I want to be remembered for something. But no, uh, that's the new stuff. There is a day for Kaiza. There is a special for Kaiza. There's Kaiza in the movie. Everyone loves Kaiza, and they should be asking where's Kaiza when he's not on screen. Always, yes. But you're right, Steph. We should talk about this movie. Um, what movie? And first things first. Uh, we should all appreciate. How confused Steph was when the first Kamen Rider 5 that she watched was this movie. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, my God. I can only imagine what you were thinking. 
So let me get let me tell you the part that I finally realized that it wasn't like the series we were supposed to be watching. It was when uh, Kiba and Osato and Kata, Ka- Kaido, I'm sorry, ended up in the marketplace. And okay. And the only reason I realized it was because I can't remember what it was that Kiba said, but it was something that I was like, oh, we're not getting to any sort of like 15 minute revelation here like this. They're talking about like some deep shit. So I finally like clicked on the screen and was like, how much time is left in this? And I saw it was like an hour and a half. And I was like, I very much did not pick the right thing. So I don't know what's happening here. So if you have never watched this series and you start out on the that like first 20 minute clip of this movie, not only are you going to see some really dark shit that ends up only vaguely getting resolved in the movie. It it's better if you watch the series, but if you don't, you're doubly confused because there is so much that's just different from how the story is trying to tell itself between the TV series and the movie. It's incredible. Yeah. Um. So maybe we should start at the beginning because I'm sure you were confused, but this starts a little differently. It starts like a lot of like movies of the time where it's like, oh, there's a bunch of guys trying to do a heist with guns and like a robbery or something. Mm-hmm. And it's done really slick. Like, I'm not going to take that away from it. It does it in the way that like those really classic early aughts heist movies did where they're like all dressed in suits and they're trying to do everything legit, like going up to the front desk and they're going to go through all the motions before they get to the elevator. That's when they're going to like suit down and be the soldiers. Mm. But basically this movie starts a bunch of dudes just get in this elevator. They have boxes and they like get the smart brain and then they like get all kitted out with AK 47s or whatever. And then they like just corner this lady and they're like, where's the emperor's belts and all this stuff. And the lady turns into like an orthodox and then they're just stuck fighting a lot of orthodox with these guns. And, you know, guns don't work versus like monsters. It's been proven, you know. But yeah, uh, then they get hunted down and then they're saved by like Kusika who rolls up and like just kills a bunch of people. As he do. And like one person survives. We find out, wait, this is a world full of orthodox. This is the bad ending. Like you said, like. It literally is bad ending, like yeah. uh, even even more than I had anticipated. Smart lady comes on and says, like, there's only 2000 people left. And I'm like, wow, they were quick. The entire planet. Yeah. Now, imagine seeing that announcement if you hadn't seen this series yet. I was like, what the fuck? Yeah, like it would be like jumping into like a like late Terminator movie. And not like seeing the earlier ones. You'd be like, oh, like the robots took over? It would be like playing Candyland and finding out that it was for blood. Like, <laughs> that's. You're looking at something and you're thinking, oh, look, superheroes. Eventually one's going to come save the day. But with this one, it's like, no, if you don't win this very specific lottery, you're done, dude. I mean, so. <sighs> Not to say that, uh, like, Fies is, like, a bright show. It's an angsty show. It's like, <laughs> oh, this could happen is, like, a thing that the show tries to posit. Like, what if this happened? So, like, a lot of these movies become, let's tell, like, an alternate, like, ending to the show. And this one, perhaps more than most. Yeah, this one's distressing. The show after this Blade um, also has, like, an alternate ending. And, like, 
it's much more mundane. It's like, and then the guy that was a big cover writer had no job skills, so he's a garbage <laughs> man and he's depressed. And oh no, there's more monsters. He gets to be here again. Anyway, but here it's like, nope, everyone's dead. <laughs> but no, um, my first thought was how much this would be interesting if this movie introduced like the whole like orphanoc lifespan weakness now and it was like wait the whole world's orphanoc and we're all gonna die soon you take over the entire planet and then realize you're gonna die next week it's kind of a kind of a buzzkill isn't it yeah that'd be pretty dark uh but no um so like the whole vibe is dire mm-hmm. thankfully Kuzika's there oh yeah <laughs> with much sh- sharper eyebrows than usual he's like going for it but the one guy that survives makes it home. Um, his name is Mizuhara. He'll come up later. But um, he is um, wanker. Yeah, he is a wanker. Absolute. What does he look like, David? At first, I thought he was um, Mihara, and I'm like, oh, did, did they just too. fuck up the subtitles? And I'm like, wow, he had a he had a glow up between the end of the series and now. But he's a different guy. He he looks like. Your he looks like a character out of fucking battle royale. Mm-hmm. He looks like um the I forget what his name is in battle royale, but he's like the the hardened veteran guy who's lived on the island before. Except he has like long fucking boy band hair, like he just got it quaffed to go play his visual K set. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, like you do. Um, yeah, as you do. He's wearing like a head wound. Um, he's got a vest with like two grenades on it that never come off. You know. Yeah, all the vibe. Um, so characters who aren't in the show: Lucky Clover, Bahara, Rena, all not here. But um, he's one of like the main new characters that comes in for this plot. Um, he's actually a fairly successful like drama actor, I guess. Um, his name is Mokomichi Hayami. Um, he's best known for the show uh, called Absolute Boyfriend, where mm. where he's like a robot. And it's apparently like pretty popular. I don't know. So yeah, he has a to modern day fairly good career. That's awesome. And uh, the other new character we get is Doctor Namura. Oh yeah. How would we describe this guy? He's like, I don't know how to describe him exactly because like there's a character that he reminds me of very heavily, but for whatever reason I can't play. He's like you're, you're. No, he looks like. He looks like the guy from fucking like Mystery Science Theater or um not Mystery Science Theater. Fuck. What is it? It's like in that uh world universe, like Dr. Fucking Insano or whatever the fuck he is. If you've ever seen like a doctor in a JRPG who helps you like invent robots, that's him. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Perfect. And yeah, like his whole thing is that he makes inventions, but they're not working. And like he made spiral bullets, which um. Is a callback to Kuga, where like in that show, there's spiral bullets to fight those monsters. Uh, his spiral bullets don't work. Um, but basically, like Mizuhara comes back and he's like, "Oh, these bullets like didn't work, and we couldn't get the Emperor's belts, which are a new plot point for the show." Um, there, leading the army is Mari and Katero, and while everyone else is convinced that Takabi is dead, they truly believe he's still alive including Mari, who has decided to found a religion around him, uh, basically. <laughs> a little weirdly. 
Yeah. The Fize is real. The Fize will bring us from <laughs> salvation. That's a little weird because she knew the guy. Uh, but yeah. yeah. We do, though, see one of the new suits for the movie is the Riot Trooper, which shows up at the end of the series for a second. But we see how Takumi was supposedly killed. And it's brutal. <laughs> he gets his ass whooped. Yeah. Yeah. He gets pretty messed up. It's pretty ugly, no matter what way you look at it. Because the Riot Troopers are mass-produced, so he fought, like, a hundred of them, and they were all on motorcycles and jetpacks and, like, jet sliders, and, like, they tied him up and, like, put him on back of, like, one of their bikes and rode him down. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, he's presumed dead. I, I just find it, like, extremely funny that, like, you know, they're like, oh, we're going to kill the entire human race. And the way that they've done it is dudes on dirt bikes. Yeah. And I'm like, uh, mm, I have some questions about what happened to the military, but we'll get there, I guess. <laughs> I didn't, well, I had questions also because of I, I understand, like, kind of the point they were getting at with um, making Takami Takashi in in this village and all. <laughs> But on the other hand, this village has like 25 people in it. Can you really realistically say that they kept the secret of one dude this entire time when there are so few humans left? Like, this movie had a lot of things to question, but that was the first big question for me. So there's like 2,000 people in this village, it seems like, though. Like, there's a lot of people here. There's only 2,000 people in the world, I feel like. Unless it's the last group, and like they could have said Japan, but yeah, even so, it's only like, oh, Takabi was staying at home this whole time, so no one saw him, right. which is a lot. Um, you have to really suspend your disbelief for that when there are so few humans in this world. Yeah, but um, I think maybe they just meant to say in Japan is the, the, like 2,000 humans or like five, whatever. But yeah, um, we're kind of talking about, though, that um, there's... <laughs> A lot of biblical stuff going on, which we'll circle back to as we go, I think. But they're making a lot of illusions um, to start, and they get like clear as we go. But um, Takumi is being positioned as a savior of humanity, and like Fize is a savior of humanity, which doesn't really happen in the show. Uh, he's kind of just a dude. But no, um, and Kusika, this show, this movie might also be. <laughs> Um, trying to let people vent their anger at Kusika, uh, which we'll talk about because he shows up. He's immediately a total stalker to Mari. And you know what? My favorite part of this is almost immediately dies. <laughs> Don't have to deal with the dude for too long. Look, I'm sorry. I try not to draw favorites on any of these shows that we watch, but I really hated that dude. So I wasn't sad to see him go early in this movie. He gets jobbed out so quick. It's so not even quick. funny. Yes, and I was here for it. I was just like, oh, thank God. I don't have to be screaming at other people. Get away from him. Get away from him. He's toxic. It's very funny how, like, um, they just show, hey, he doesn't respect people's personal space. And, hey, he disrespects people and has a lot of food. And then it's like, oh, no, he dies. He's dead. Yeah. And now more people can have soup at the settlement. Like, honestly, nothing of value was lost. So, uh, the rogues show up. This is Kiba, this is Yuka, this is Kaido. And they, like, come to the settlement, which is, you know, 
it, it seems like a lot of people at the settlements, but like, how did Orphanox take over? Because we don't know the rate at which Orphanox happened. Like, it could be one in ten, it could be one in a hundred. It seems closer to one in a hundred. So that's a massive loss of population. I mean, I don't think that they ever really point to that, but they do. Like, uh, Murakami essentially says, like, if you can't survive this transition, then you don't really deserve to survive. Period. So. You can probably assume that it's not the largest population, but it's a very concentrated one. Mm-hmm. But no, uh, what were you saying, David? Yeah, I was sorry. just going to assume, like, they probably, because, like, in the show, right, they're always, like, kind of, like, waiting and scheming and, like, oh, we're going to mm-hmm. do this and do that, right? I I just assume that, like, this alternate timeline, they just go, no, fuck it, and just, like, outright go hard and just start killing people just to convert as many as possible. Like they just like send a fucking dude to like a shopping area in Japan and just go ham. And then whoever turns into an orphanox. Great. The best way to, to take this movie is yes, it does exactly make sense that they would take over the world. Um, it doesn't actually make sense that they'd, we mostly see it via their like late stage hunters. I'm sure they had some better plan at some point besides using dirt bikes, but that's what we see. We're here. We're at the world of 2000 people and, and they're being hunted by dirt bikes. Right. But that's where, uh, Kiba and friends show up and no one will sell them food. And Kaido's frustrated. And weirdly, Kaido and Yuka are just different people in this movie. Kind of. Yeah. They're very much like uh, that couple in high school that you knew was going to end up together, but there was just one being really petulant about it. Whereas in the series, it was entirely like her just dreaming about him and this, that, and the other. But in this movie, they really painted Kaido as like almost being a willing participant that just needed to be dragged a little bit. He's way into her and she doesn't care about him at really seems like yeah yeah they like entirely changed the dynamic they they threw it on its head it's interesting to see but i mean the show doesn't ever encapsulate it so it doesn't really matter that much Cuba's kind of the same honestly like there's this point like where he's just like yeah like i wish that takabi was still alive <laughs> and he's like yep yeah, that's Cuba. what's his boyfriend um but so like they're found by Catero, and it's the whole thing of they're not allowed here, but like, let's work together. A plot point later of we should find sympathetic people that are orphanox to fight with us it doesn't really go anywhere. But basically, um, this is all just world state that like all these characters are here. Then Catero gives them a tablet where smart lady sexually harasses Kiba. Yeah, that yeah. happens. Yeah, poor Cuba, Jesus. He's probably the most victimized person in this entire series. Oh, fucking... Somebody sent me... Um... Some pictures. Uh, who did this? I. You know what? If it, the FBI is gonna get involved, I don't want any part of it. You keep them to yourself, Kip. This is from Bram. Oh, well, if it's from Bram, I know it's inappropriate. Who said, um, here is a picture of if Takabi and Kiba got together. <laughs> okay, I want to see it. That, 
is entirely too appropriate. <laughs> that is not at all what I expected. <laughs> Me either, but it's everything that I could have hoped for. Um, so it, it's a picture of a French anatomy textbook where a horse is standing and a person is standing under the horse to show their bones. It looks like they are um, enjoying some intercourse uh, together. Who did that? Was that Mary Antoinette? Or who was accused of that? <laughs> yeah. Um, no, it wasn't. It was. Uh, no, I'm pretty sure it was one of her cousins. What was her name? Uh, she was a weird horse lady. Uh, for some reason I'm getting Christine. M- Marie Equinette. <laughs> Equinette? God damn it. Catherine the Great. That's what it is. Yeah, I knew it started with C. Yeah, I knew it was a Sailor Moon episode. It's fine. The Eminent Claw horse sex case. I don't like that. I'm going to not look at that. <laughs> That's going to be on our other podcast. Don't let the horse out of the bag too quick. Don't lift a, don't look a gift horse in the mouth. Um, don't kick a gift horse in the mouth. Bram also sent me another image that is less graphic, but they had the caption of, um, I'll just post it as they said it. See? <laughs> <laughs> See, and I try to be the nice one. So it's but you make it so difficult when you send shit like this, Bram. It's a picture of Willem Dafoe looking up in terror, and what he wrote was, "When Takabe sees Kiba rear up for top." But you had. I wish we could show the screenshot of him staring up at the other thing that you sent. <laughs> What's <laughs> I can take that. God damn it. <laughs> I just sound like I'm crazy, but they don't see what I'm seeing. I mean, I could get a nice screenshot to show <laughs> what Bram did. Uh, That's it. Take two. We're going to cancel all of this. We're going to start from scratch. Fuck it. We'll do it live. Come on, everybody. <laughs> but no. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> good points. Um, Kiba still likes Takumi. He's still missing him. He still wishes he wasn't dead and cares about his dreams and stuff. That's one of the things that definitely carried over from the series is Takumi and Kiba having that very weird, like, addressed in a small way, but not addressed directly, obsession with each other. Like, Kiba carried that over big time was his thing for Takumi. Man. They'd be ripe for a Jerry Springer episode. <laughs> I think that the show is there like a lot of anime is just what if a Jerry Springer let them fight? Um, oh, that's true. But yeah, yeah no. Um, let's get through the summary because there's a lot more important stuff to talk about than the summary, though. Because I feel like a lot of our comments could like come from knowing what happens. Because so <laughs> at this point, um, Mari's planning a dance party. Kusika is not happy about this. <laughs> and he also says, you're like a woman and that woman within you cries when you could have me and hug me. <laughs> uh, that's something that you want to hear often, Steph, right? The woman within you cries, you have me. I, you know, I wouldn't have married my wife if she didn't say that on the reg. I need someone to remind me that the woman within me cries. Is it bad that, like, in my mind, I'm picturing, like, in Men in Black, how some like cool aliens will have like a people suit. It's like that. Like, oh, like the woman of India, like, like your mech 
within you. Your 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 gross flesh mech. I don't I don't know who gave you that very classified information, but I'm gonna ask that offline we have a discussion about you not putting these things in public. Yes, I won't tell people about your flesh mech in the future. <laughs> <laughs> I am a totally human person asking you for a totally reasonable human thing, so if you could adhere to my human understanding of this, I'd appreciate it. Yeah, oh, but perhaps our biggest, the most important thing to talk about, though, is that we see Takumi is alive under a different name, Takeshi, and he's a a cobbler now, and he has false memories. And what do you all think of this when this happened? What, What was your... How'd you handle this? I was so angry at his hair extensions. I think that haircut looked way better than what he had. They looked so bad. It was so bad. They looked bad, but the hairstyle was better than his like weird 80s poof. Yeah, I guess, but my God, it was so much to accept. You've seen Inuyasha stuff. Yeah. I. Uh, Okay. <laughs> no, um, it's all a bad look, but it's all a good look. It's all here at the same time. So, like, okay, hang on. Does he like he he gets taken away by the evil biker men on the bikes? Then way later, we find out that he gets a he gets found on the ground by this dude who whose friend puts a bunch of memories in his head so that he can live with her with his dog yeah so my question is like did they just fucking leave him in a field they're like oh the last bastion of humans hope for defeating the orphanox let's just leave him in the field yeah i think the entire implication is supposed to be that they're like a bunch of no good dirty rap bikers so they didn't know who they were dealing with. And one dude just like had a crisis of conscience. It was like, oh, hey, let me not be a complete piece of shit and give my daughter someone to talk to. But how? Because they're sent by smart brain. Like they, they no, work for smart- nobody. Nobody ever explains that much. I'm just telling you what I concluded up to the information Fair we enough. have after that. It's all speculative. Here's my theory. Lay it on this. Everyone is surprised later to find out that he's an orthodox. That's true. Which is weird. Maybe they just thought he died of human trauma levels or he or he died. And like, that's how he became an orthodox, you know? Yeah, maybe. I don't know. But no. So if you were watching this movie when it came out around episode 25 of the series, you'd be like, man, this is a bunch of weird. You get a ton of stuff for the series way early and out of context in weird ways. Uh, Yeah. Let me let me put forth something that I was thinking about while I was watching it. If you're watching this movie like right now mm-hmm. in the time that we're sitting in, it it's a movie that doesn't make a lot of sense. Like it seems to go off on a lot of different paths and it has all these things that are like kind of like percolating through it. But if you think about it in the terms of like the kind of movies we were watching in the 90s, this movie is that. Like we had so many movies that were like these weird combinations of wanting to be like rom-coms and thrillers and action movies and, and doing all this weird shit that didn't make a whole lot of sense, but it was like, well, it's the nineties. What can you do? I, I feel like this movie is very similar to that time where, yeah, like 90% of what you're watching isn't going to make sense, but they're trying to cater to a lot of audiences. So 
it makes sense for what it is, even if it doesn't just like make sense in a cultural context. Can you imagine with me really quick? You are a parent in 2003 and you're like, oh, wow, my kid loves Kamen Rider. And once in a while, I'll like watch a little bit and be like, oh, man, like it's a good thing that the Kamen Rider is fighting those monsters, right? And then someday you go to see the movie with him. You're like, what the fuck are you watching? What is this? (laughs) I feel like that's what my parents did with me because I think as I've told you before, the first like Japanese thing I ever watched was Sailor Moon when it became a thing here in Texas. So um, I ended up watching like whatever episodes would air on our cable TV, but then I became interested in it, so I started, like, watching DVDs and, like, the stuff that you couldn't find on American media, and I remember my parents distinctly going, what the fuck is this? Like, I don't see Daffy Duck, like, slapping somebody over the head with an anvil. What is fucking happening? So, yeah, there is a certain amount of, like, introspection that goes in with finding different kinds of media. I just think that this is just a confusing movie, even if you knew what Fives was. Yes. Oh, yeah. Nothing about this makes any kind of sense. I'm not going to pretend it does. If you just watch this as a movie, like like completely removed from Fives, right? You wouldn't have no idea what the fuck is going on because they don't explain no. anything. If you watch it as a, as somebody who's seen Fives, you'd be like, this is what the fuck is going on as well. Yeah, it's also what the fuck. Yeah, and if you haven't watched the show, you would almost assume that this is like a rom-com where you were watching Takumi and Mari get together slowly over time. But if you've watched the show, you're just like, oh, look, there's those two being fucking weird around each other again. Is it rom-commy? I think it's rom but I don't know if it's commy. I don't know. Like, it has so many things it tries to be throughout the course of this movie. Let's talk about what Takumi is doing, though, with his, like, bad haircut. Or good haircut. He has a big ponytail, like, he's about to go fight some demons. And he's going by Takeshi. He's a cobbler. And, And like we said, basically, he, at some point, was left for dead. Maybe he died and became a dwarf rock. Maybe he just, they didn't know that he wasn't human. Um, And he's found by this guy. And this guy is worried that he's going to die soon. His daughter will be alone. So this guy asks his friend, who's a doctor, to implant memories into Takumi. We get all of this backstory later. But for right now, here's Takumi. He's going by Takeshi. He's a cobbler (laughs) with a ponytail. Yep. He's very serious about it, too. And he's living with um, this girl, Mana? Was it Mana? Wait, what was her name? Mina? Mina, yes. Mina, I think is Mina. So Mina is just, she she sells shoes and she gets abused because she's kind of nice to Orthodox. Uh, she, doesn't really, <laughs> she does not do a ton of this movie. Uh, but basically, she comes home and is like, oh, um, I'm going to have a flashback to when I was a child and we got shoes from my dad. And like the memories in black and white, except for her shoes that are red. And she's like red. And like part of it is just like to be noticeable. But part of it's because like, isn't it a whole thing in Japan, David, where like kids get black and red backpacks or something? There's like a black and red thing. Um, I mean, there's there's uh, I mean, there's like the thing called like land sales, which is like 
children's backpacks in uh like uh like not junior high yeah junior high or like elementary school where they have like a a red backpack like but like it's not it's not like mandated now and back then it might have been because remember um tokusatsu gaga ga stuff where the girl's mom like yeah yelled at her for wanting a black backpack instead of a red one <laughs> because it would be too immature yes not like lady like enough i think was what she said right yeah yeah uh, yeah i think the implication though was because like mina's kind of a she's not it's the apocalypse i'm not sure why we care about how feminine she is in her jeans <laughs> i don't know it's weird but i feel like that would be my mom in the apocalypse apocalypse also like oh but you're wearing that god damn it woman <laughs> i'm fighting zombies here give me a break but basically mina is just she's dressed like she works for a living but she's she knows what she's doing she's fine she's upset that takeshi doesn't see her as a woman which is why later on she finds like this mask stuff and she's like, oh, let's go to the party, Takeshi, and like make me shoes and I'll make you an outfit. And there's this whole thing. Um, but so as that's being planned, um, Kiba goes to see Mirakabi. He dodges smart lady's hug and then Kaido comes back and says, can I have one? <laughs> <laughs> she's like, get the fuck away from me. <laughs> it's the funniest thing I've ever seen. And then, uh, can you explain their meeting, David, with Mirakami? Oh my god. So this is like one of the things where I was like... shit. What the fuck? Yeah. So, Murakami in the series, as you know him, is like the able-bodied president who turns into the cool <laughs> orphanoc and he's strong as shit. The, the fucking, yeah. like, doors open on, like, the elevator or something and he's just a head in a fucking jar attached to, like, a, like an oxygenator. And I was like, he's Japanese Walt Disney. <laughs> Futurama style. I was like, what the? Yeah, it's like some Futurama fucking gag, right? <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, what the fuck? So do you guys want the reason this, the backstory they fill in later for this? Oh, please do. Remember how I told you about the, uh, the toys that like reimagine as like, they reimagine the designs from the series as like grotesque action figures. Yeah. They also do comics with some of those. So they did one that was called lost world. That was like, it came out in like 2006. So after this movie by like two or three years, but it was basically like telling the story of what happened before paradise lost. Um, and it's incoherent, but it's uh, basically um, <laughs> one day Mari gets some blue roses in the mail and Kusuk is mad about it. Then uh, Mahara calls them and is like, don't touch those roses. They'll turn you to ash. And apparently around the world, people are getting blue roses and being turned to ash or into an orphanoc. And then Mirakami becomes a super riot trooper and he loses his whole body, but his head. And then this guy that could speak American named Leo shows up is like, hey, should, can I help your head? And he's like, I w- sure. What's your price? And he says, an emperor belt. And that's the prequel that's lost. Interesting. Okay. Uh, yeah. This is honestly, it's not catered to the not canon, you know? I'm, I'm not counting it, so. And I did appreciate David 
how you described him as, oh, the able-bodied president, as if that's like a normal way to describe people when they don't suddenly have no body. I mean, he's definitely not able-bodied anymore. He's no-bodied anymore. <laughs> Kingdom Hearts joke. I like it. Yeah. Uh, but no. Um, Here for it. Yeah. And then their meeting gets interrupted by a bunch of dudes that are like, we should just kill these guys, Prez. And he's like, ooh, I'm going to have to deal with you. So, like, my question, I don't, like, my question, I don't get it. Like, why are they keeping him even around? Because, like, he, he can't, like, fight for them or do anything that's, like, useful. So, why are you here? He's the president? Yeah, yeah, but, like, even, even in the movie, it, like, Orphanoxer seemed to be, like, kind of replaceable to some extent so the mm-hmm. fact that they're like oh yeah uh like who cares it's like okay if he's just like another useless orphanoc like why keep him around it's not like he could he would like transform and get his body back because he never does that in the movie he's just a, a head in a jar um it's worth noting that um we watched the director's cut and um one scene we get that'll come up later is his end which isn't in the original movie oh um, okay no, wait that wasn't in the movie no that was for the director's cut that's incredible oh my god yeah because it seems so very appropriate for everything that had happened previously <laughs> no but these here uh, he was the like president so they said sure why not still be the president it's in the half set room that's in the end of five the series and like his whole thing is killing the humans, his kindness as they could become orthodox. But then like before they can finish like debating, several guys come in wanting to kill Akiba and Kaido and Yuka. And then um, that's when Leo comes out. He is Comrade Saiga. And what do we think of this scene of him and this new uh, character Comrade Um, I was immediately surprised by a dude who spoke only English. Yeah, I was like, True. that's yeah. weird. It's movie time, you know? Yeah. No, I get that, but I also kept wondering if there was something that, being an English speaker myself, I was missing, like, in the details. Because I was like, why is it such a big, like, I couldn't understand why it was so entrancing just the simple fact that he spoke English. Like the camera was following him around, I thought there was going to be some other revelation. And it wasn't. It wasn't even just like, oh, he speaks English, right? It was like, no, this guy is like very clearly a native speaker, and they just like have him speak in full English sentences and like don't give a shit, right? I mean, English is cool? Question mark. I mean, yes. Yeah, that's what I, I, I was. I'm with you. I was kind of wondering if there was like some gimmick I was missing. But, but like, here's the thing, right? Like you could hire any other like Japanese like tokusatsu pretty boy actor, but you didn't. So like to me, that's like a weird conscious decision. And I wonder why. Yeah. Yeah. That's where I was at. I, I legitimately thought there was like some inner toku or like language joke I was missing with this whole thing because it it seemed like a very obvious setup, but I I couldn't get whatever the joke was supposed to be. So Peter Ho is the first non-Japanese comic writer. He's a Taiwanese American actor. Um, mm-hmm. 
and apparently he was just more famous. He was in Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. He's doing stuff now. Like he's still active. Um, I don't know. They just got him. Oh, so was it just like a time thing? Like he had just finished like Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, and then it was like, oh, well, he's <laughs> famous. Like maybe he'll do this thing. Yeah. No. Um. He seems like he's pretty pop in like that kind of genre of film still like he's like known as like a sword master and like is good at like wuxia stuff so cool um yeah he studied at the ontario college of art and design and began his singing career after being offered a record deal in a karaoke bar okay sure huh all right i mean who among us hasn't he was just a dude that uh has done very well for himself and just he got in the movie (laughs) let's get a different kind of guy let's get somebody who speak english um, in his and one basketball shorts, he's dressed like me in middle school. Uh, this whole movie, yes, but like he shows up, he's like, Hey, glad to see you guys, and like flips his phone and transforms. Saiga, a cool suit, it's like blue and white. Uh, gets like a jetpack later. He fights very like fluidly, lots of like knees and elbows, yeah, and he uses that jetpack to like great effect, like he's actually using it, not like. Pfizer, he's like, I'm going right. to use this once and then it never exists again because the budget can't afford it. <laughs> he's one of the elements of this sh- like movie that comes up whenever they can because they're like, oh, we would love t- to see him again. He's cool as hell. Like, There's a lot of cool stuff in this movie. It's just kind of incoherent, I think, <laughs> at times. Yeah, I think my biggest issue, if I had to describe this movie, would just be I don't exactly understand what it wanted to be. Because there were a lot of elements where it was, like, a really intense action movie, and there were some where it was, like, kind of a thriller, and there were some where it was kind of romantic, especially with, like, Takumi and Mari. They had all these, like, really slow pan moments with the camera and everything. And I don't really ever see them as a couple, but I kind of get where it would be tempting to, like, try to make them into that. Um, But it's just... This movie is strange because it tries to take like elements from every episode that we ever watched, but it doesn't really put them together in any way that makes you want to go. Yeah, I'd watch that. You just kind of have to watch it because you have to. I think it definitely is making Mario and Takumi much more romantic than they are in the show, but that's movies right. sometimes with this stuff where it's like a different canon. Um, I'll have more to say on that once we get through the summary, though. But um, because like it's just. <laughs> At this point, we also get this like one scene of like Leo with his bare back and he's got a smart brain tattoo and his shoulder blades. He returns his belt to the belt room. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, OK, I'm a, at first I thought I'm like, is he like a fucking like robot that they made? Is he like a <laughs> yeah, that was like, my thought. Too. He's smart, smart dude instead of smart lady. Yeah, turns out he's just not that smart. He just does whatever he's told. <laughs> I mean, he's one of the Emperor belts, though. Ooh. Ooh. Um, Ooh. And then we get a scene with three characters called the, called the Smart Brain Wire Pullers. And they are like Dreamcast looking dudes that are like big holograms talking to Mirakami in the sky. <laughs> um, and they're, God, and they're yeah. <laughs> the big like four polygon heads. Yeah. F- fucking Seaman boss fight. I don't know. Um. But basically, their whole thing is, who are you going to give the second belt to? And he's like, I have someone in mind. 
but that then cuts to more dance party prep and there's some ladies talking who are you going to dance with at the dance party while it's happening smart lady has a drone butterfly watching Mari like talk to some soldiers and like she's trying to get like Kiba involved help them fight and like this is where they're talking about like finding more sympathetic orthodox to help them uh, but then their whole settlement gets attacked by a bunch of riot troopers. Yuka and Kiba have new forms for the movie. And like we saw Kiba's in the show at the very end for a second. Yeah. But they're more dark and gritty. And so I like how the troopers like get knocked down and then immediately transform into orthodox and keep fighting. Like they're kind of a, a like fun army idea here. But there's like a whole like bus fight scene of AK-47s and motorcycles <laughs> and like a rocket launcher. Yeah, fucking, <laughs> fucking Mari with her with her gun out, and she like clearly never ever has held a gun in her life ever, because she just looks so out of place shooting that thing. It's very funny because uh, they're just like shooting and shooting and shooting, like oh no, watch out! And then like they get stopped, and like Kusika shows up and fights, and then that's when Saiga shows up coming with his jetpack, and. People didn't like Kusika. As much as people like Kusika, people also hated him. I'm sure that this was kind of meant for those fans. Hey, if you want to see Kusika die, watch the movie. <laughs> oh yeah, that was uh, my porn. I'm I I was 100 for here for it. I cannot believe how just unceremoniously he gets fucking jobbed. Oh yeah, like I'm not a fan of the dude, but even I was like, okay, he deserved a little bit better. <laughs> <laughs> like mm-hmm. that was tough that was a tough test he gets like seismic tossed into this bus and it blows up and it's so yeah like David said it's so unceremonious for such a big character in this series and then he gets tentacled to death he gets like a little poke and he's dead yeah and that's it but they're saved because Kaido and Kiba and Yuka could fight him off and just barely but they're like, oh, no, man, Kusika's dead. <laughs> huh. <laughs> I guess nobody can survive without him. Yeah, no, we have no rider now. Shit. Then we get shots of the town destroyed. And Mari is like, oh, no, only I'm at the party. There's like cool little bits here, like a riot trooper where like the whole suit's just like full of ash. But basically everyone's just like, man, we almost died. Too bad about that masquerade party we were going to have. But so then the cobblers don't know there was an attack. Right. Mina's still working on her dress. So she tells Takumi, who has a different name here, but it's just Takumi here, um, to go ahead. Takashi. And he's like in this like all white, like ice cream man suit. Stick king, like forest mask and like an all white outfit and like white shoes. Mm. Um, and he comes to this dance is like he sees Mari's cry because no one's there. And then they start to dance under this apple tree. And like Mari is like, I've held his hand before. And their breath hitches. And they're both white and dancing. And like they're like speaking telepathically to each other, asking each other, Do I know you? After the summary is done, I will talk a little about this scene uh, from a film lens. But from the lens of, uh, Gender roles in 2003. That's when Mina shows up and is like, Takeshi, I hate you. You're so dumb. And goes to burn her dress that she made. And it's like, you were never dating, bro. Like, like I don't, 
Why are you mad? Up until like she formally says that her dad interfered with his memories, I thought that they were brother and sister and was really upset that she was so upset. I mean, I thought that I had missed something big culturally because it seemed to me up to that point that they were like siblings. So, yeah, I, I wasn't happy with me. And also, just like you did tell him to go ahead and go to the party. He wasn't supposed to like not talk to anybody, right? <laughs> yeah. And then got mad. Yeah, that's part of it. Yeah. A lot of times when dancing is evoked, like in like literature, it's like, oh, people are waltzing to show they have a sexual like relationship. because That's what it meant back then. And so here it's like, oh, yeah, it's romance. It's like cheating. It's whatever. It's also just kind of like eh, it was a super innocent dance. They like held hands, basically right that's when they get attacked as takumi starting to leave as the party's over but they run and she looks in some scraps by like a roller coaster and finds his belt and then he's like wait i'm takumi she's like yeah here's your belt and then he's like i fucking hate these guys i'm gonna axle form the shit out of them he just rider kicks like 20 of them at once um but he's back it's takumi and then he comes to meet the group and they're all like this is takumi because he's just acting like himself. And there's this weird moment where, like, they're acting like show Takumi, Keitaro, and Mari. Yep. But it's yep. before the rest of the plot happens. So it's just like, oh, they're like, this guy's the savior? <laughs> yeah, I get it. Like, the rest of the army's like, we don't want to work with this guy. We don't believe he's Jesus. <laughs> they're like, this fucking chump. <laughs> and I get it. But, like, before he can commit to the next course of action he has a haircut and then to go talk to Bina and she's mad but then reveals that her father and his doctor friend gave him memories and then is like also here's your ultimate form from my purse and then she gets shot uh, also how can you trust fucking anything in this world after that she legitimately says like everything that you remember us growing up like practically siblings yeah no my dad implanted that oh also here's your bullshit you're a fucking superhero savior to this world weapon that i've been holding on to in my fucking fake balenciaga purse this bitch is your briefcase sized laser gun I've been yeah. keeping in the back storage this whole time. Uh, yes, yeah, so fucking infuriating. Like I love how unceremoniously he always gets this power up. It's a great gag. We need you to have a final form for later. Here's this thing. How perfect is that for his personality, though? Like, can you see him wanting to do something like very um, regimented and soldier like like that'd be a Kusika thing to do. But with him, he'd just be like, oh, please don't draw any attention to me. I will kill myself right now. Don't do that. In the show, remember um, when Saya was trying to give him the Delta belt? She was like, oh, here's this belt. Yeah. Oh, no, I'm dead. <laughs> also, I loved you. That's just his thing. <laughs> But he imagines dancing with her instead as she dies. And that's when Mizuharu takes the belt because he was shooting at her, I guess. Um, but Kiba stops him and is like, give it back. And then he gets shot, but the guys like can't hurt him. So then the guy throws a grenade and Kusuga, his sword flies off and, and gets like in the guy's chest because <laughs> he threw a yeah. grenade. 
And then, like, as he's dying, Kusika, like, gets the belt back, but then, like, another soldier is like, oh, no, Kusika. Pardon, um, Odo Kiba killed that guy. Not like he just shot him and threw a grenade at him, but that leads to conflict as now the rest of the humans want to kill Kiba and make them leave. Understand. That's fair. He must not have seen the grenade. He just saw him taking his sword out of him. <laughs> you live and you learn. There's this point where, like, the cleaners and the rogues are talking, and then, like, as Kiba is leaving, he hears Mari say that she would be sad if Takumi was, like, an orphanoc. Like, he got accused of being when he defended, like, Kiba. And then Kiba's like, oh, man, like, maybe Mari doesn't like me. And then that's when, to not be killed by the trial of the humans that got made, Kiba, Kaido, and Yuka have to go get the Emperor belts. Mm-hmm. They're trapped, though, with a big kaiju, and they get killed. Okay, hang, hang on. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Wait, 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 wait. Yes. Wait. You can't just skip over, oh, they get trapped with a big kaiju. Thank you very much. There's a fucking kaiju. An orphanot kaiju. What does that come from? Does something like fucking orphanot kill a dog? And it's like, now I am orphanot dog, but I'm going to get really big. Like, what the fuck is that thing? Alasmetherium is an extinct giant rhino, and that's what this Orphanoc is made out of. We don't know why it's a beast, why it's huge. Um, okay, so wait, then hang on, hang on. Is it a person, then, in their animal Orphanoc mode? Is that what they've tried to imply? Because that is not what I got from that thing. I, I got immediately like, oh, this is just a giant monster. So what the Wikipedia is implying is that, oh, um, it's an orphanoc that has no human form. Like, it just got one giant form lost. It's like personhood or whatever. Okay, so, uh, sure. Or it's a smart brain creation. However, there is a third thing posited by the Wikipedia that I really need to talk about. <laughs> this is troubling. So when... Kamen Rider and Super Sentai will pair their movies. So they'll do a 45-minute Super Sentai movie and, and like a 90-minute Kamen Rider movie, and it'll be like one show with one intermission. Right. The show that ran with um, Kamen Rider 5's was Bakaru Sentai Abba Ranger Deluxe. Abare Summer is Freezing Cold, which is this, like, it's like more summer movie. They're at the beach and it, like, it's frozen. Yeah. Mm. Apparently... With you so far that movie ran first and there's a bunch of fourth <laughs> wall breaking things like a point where one of the characters says oh we have to hurry up because Fize is up next like someone says <laughs> however in a post credit scene um one of the bad guys makes a kaiju and then one of the other bad guys says the movie's over what the first bad guy says okay i'll send it to the Fize movie what the fuck wow <laughs> that's an interesting day now that is that is as far as i know not canon but it's also just like what but maybe oh holy shit this is interesting um so i guess it might be a person uh because of this picture oh 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 huh there's like a body Okay, I kind of like it. That's kind of neat. I dig that. Yeah, yeah. 
because we've seen like people become like bigger forms but yeah like i mean if you click on the picture and look at the top there it looks like there's a toku hero yeah there's like there's like the arms the chest the head yeah exactly okay good glad to know i'm not crazy but yeah Oh, now that I see it, I can't unsee it. Look at the like second picture there where it's like no, but um so it might have a a like form and then it might also be from the movie that aired before it. I either way, I like it. In the art, it very much looks like you can tell there's definitely a human body in there. Oh yeah, like the concept art makes it look like a Digimon too. Yes, a hundred percent. Well, it's drawn by Bandai, so that makes sense. So, yeah, um, it's either a, it, it seems like it's a person who went berserk, basically, and lost their like more human form. Uh, but this kaiju is a big rhino person, might be from the Super Sentai movie that came before. It might just be a like rampaging person. Um, mm-hmm. They're in this room. It kills Yuka and she's like half feather faced as she like says that she loves Kaido. Just making sure that she dies twice. Right. Keep the timeline sacred. And then Kaido is like, I'm going to help and die as well. And he dies as well. He, he gets chomped. And then Kiba is on the ground and he sees Mari come in next to Mirakami and say, this is how it had to be. We had to kill you. We couldn't trust you. Mm. And then Kiba is knocked unconscious and taken captive. As it's revealed, it was actually Smart Lady masquerading as Mari. I was about to say, what you didn't uh, notice in that scene, unless you were paying really close attention, is that little blue butterfly flowing around just in the corner of the scene, which is how you always know the Smart Lady is involved. That's something they kind of established through this movie. Is You see that little blue butterfly? You're being watched by uh, Smart Lady. Good job to the wiki, though. I really never saw that dude before it got pointed out by the wiki and you, Steph. That's good. What dude? In the horn of the, um, of the, like, more kaiju, like, one. Sorry. Uh, But, yeah. Mm -hmm. No, so now Smart Lady can become Mari. She scanned her with her drones. Mm Mm-hmm. And Kiba hates... And I actually like think the scene of Kiba like raging in his all white room and crying is very effective for why he yeah. would turn like this. Then that is where there's another attack on the settlement. And Kateros had this whole bunch of like side plots with the doctor. And basically he's like, if you drink this drink, you can henshin. And I guess people needed Katero to get to be a man one time. So he becomes like Kaiza mm-hmm. and kills an Orphodoc. And then the belt got destroyed. I I kind of felt like that. This was like the uh, the fan redemption for everybody who thought he should have been more of a main player in the TV series because they did give him like a couple of really good victory laps in this movie that he definitely didn't get through the TV series. I mean, he got treated like such shit in that last like run of like ten episodes. People just like True shut that, up, you're yeah. stupid. You don't know anything. You're dumb. Like they just like yeah, nonstop. even by the woman he loved. Yes, yeah, he didn't catch a break. That's for sure. Did anyone think that he, he had to be badass? Though <laughs> I don't know. It was funny. No, no. And I actually really liked that when he did transform. They played it to where 
you really believed it was him in the costume in the Kaiser, because yeah. it was so it was so clumsy and like kind of uncomfortable. It wasn't like this really smooth, solid choreography you're we're used to from the heroes or from Cusco or any of these other guys. They really played it like if Kitaro was suddenly handed the belt and could do whatever he wanted to do, yeah, he'd be slow and he'd be kind of like all over the place in his attacks and it this was really a realistic way of portraying him in battle, I thought. And he gets his rider kick in, uh, which is yeah. cool. So quick tangent, but at this point now, all three of the main trio for Cup Rider Fives have gotten to be a rider at least once, right? Yes. Another canon. We're not going to explore this because it's very confusing and it's too much, but basically um in two later common writer seasons one in like 2016 and one in 2019 there are ceos who become common writers and are like bad guys that turn into anti-heroes nice in like 2021 they get a crossover series and then that crossover series becomes um a web exclusive like common writer like it's all the anti-heroes basically or it's called common writer outsiders um and basically, it's all of the people who don't fit in the good or bad category in the Kamen Rider having to fight against a threat. That's like an anti-villain. Like, it's like a AI that's trying to save the world, but it's going to destroy it, basically. That's pretty cool. Now, in the first episode, the Orphanoc King tasks Smart Queen, who in this universe is Mari, and his Kamen Rider Delta, to go and fight one of the common writers who is working for this AI. Uh, so that's how Mari's actress gets to be a writer in this weird AU from 2022. So there's that. Uh, if you want to see her do more um, or watch Kiva, I guess, or watch the Comrade <laughs> Decade, but she's in that common writer sauce. But they've all gotten to be writers now. If you're worried about it, I guess. Uh, but no, um, so yeah, um, at this point though, Takumi is forced out, and so Katero comes with him. But Takumi left a bunch of guns on the back of his bike to fall, so that Katero would pick them up and he could lose him. <laughs> Just very funny. He he did a very Takumi thing and a very uh, Katero thing to just fall for it. And nothing twice. Like that was such a great nod to their dynamics through the whole TV series. Now, um, that leaves no Katero. It's just Takumi going to save Mari. Um, and she's in like this weird at first she's in like not a cage, but just like a middle of like a a like arena with like CG bars in front of her. So that arena is the Saitama Super Saitama Super Arena, yeah. Tell us all about it, David. I've never been there, but I know where it is. Oh, okay. <laughs> they can fit like ninety thousand people, I think. It's like a big uh, place. Um but when this movie came out, so the first non-Japanese like Kamen Rider news story that I saw was the BBC covered this movie. Um, and they talked to Takumi because he because his actor could speak like a little bit of like English. But um because mm-hmm. when this movie came out, it broke the Guinness World Record for the amount of extras it had, because it had ten thousand extras in this scene. Damn. <laughs> and and that's it. They wanted to have 10,000 extras here, and they like got the world record. Gotcha. Well, good for them. 
until like 2018 i think they had it so like 15 years um but it's a big stadium full of people like they're watching a wrestling show um but it's more like the coliseum Ooh. so first talk we have to fight leo and i like their fight scene it's pretty fun yeah it's good yeah i agree he has to like go super speed to fight his jetpack and like destroy that and then they're like fighting like with tonfas his bike gets destroyed like fighting the kaiju and then he he gets his sword thrown to him by mari who before said something like oh fize is gonna cut through darkness and like restore light and then he cuts through what's his face through saiga yeah and then like fucking it's wrestlemania and goldberg's there people start to chant they're like orga 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 does that mean something it's another greek letter from the alphabet oh gotcha okay I did. That was one of my notes to be like, oh, I don't get this. Let me ask David and Kip. <laughs> and it's Kiba. And he's Kamen Rider Orga. And he's super serious looking. What do we think about this suit and this fight scene right here? It, I, like, I was going to say it doesn't really fit the aesthetic, but, like, I guess, like, the, all the, the fucking uh, rider suits are named after, like, Greek letters. So it, like, kind of does. Mm-hmm. And they have that letter in their, like, design. Like, yeah. I kind of expected something more flashy, to be honest. I would feel like just for the point that we're at with them trying to really have, like, this um, Orphanox superhero, it would be a much bigger, like, flashier deal than it was. But that's just me. Yeah. Uh, I like him. He's black. He's gold. He's. Yeah, it's not bad. I just thought it'd be bigger. He beats Takumi's ass, though. That he does do. Up one side and down the other. They normally don't want you to see how foam and plastic parts of these suit are, but they, like, show, like, Takumi's chest crumpling from, like, punches. Mm -hmm. But then Takumi is beaten, and he turns into an orthodox. And he's, like, a more hooved and, like, CG version of himself. Yeah, he's, like, a more wolfy version of himself. I'm glad you guys said that because I really was questioning my memory because I was like, man, I don't remember him being that animalistic before. Like, obviously, no, he does his look form had some similar traits. But yeah, this one seemed really like uh, pointing to the more animalistic aspect of his form. And I, I don't remember seeing that before. So, And then he and Kiba fight as Orphanox and then they become riders again. There's this like super anime moment where they're like showing them as humans and orphanox and riders clashing and of course falling in love with each other as they do oh they're in love deep love but oh yeah Takabe uses his blaster form and it's cool because this movie came out months before it showed up in the show so it's like oh it's the final form <laughs> he beats Kiba's ass um they both enjoy it it's fine and then the kaiju is going to kill Mari so Takumi and Kiba get in a like beam struggle where Kiba's like, here's my sword. And Takumi's like, here's my foot. And they like make lightning go like across the like or like lasers like cut across like the whole stadium. And then Kiba is lost and, and Takumi fights the kaiju. But then Kiba sacrifices himself to protect Mari. And Takumi kills this kaiju and Kiba dies in his arms. And Takumi promises to keep on. And then the crowd is down with them, all 10,000 people. And light passes over them. 
as Takumi says move and they all move and then as they're leaving covered by light Mari says where are we going and Takumi says let's just walk and find out where we get to and they're holding hands it's really cute so anything we didn't cover or do we want to get to thoughts and analysis any scenes we missed or no we covered it right I think we covered basically everything yeah pretty much so that's the movie thoughts what the fuck (laughs) yeah my my thought the entire time was just i was looking at a movie that couldn't decide what it wanted to be like i said before it had so many elements of so many things Mm -hmm. that could have been good if they'd been followed up on but it was like the plot line was pulled so many ways that nothing could succeed. Like, and for the first two or three scenes, I didn't recognize Mari. I I felt like I was looking at a totally different actress for a while. So there was just a lot here. I mean, I think also like looking at like anime movies around this time too, like when One Piece or Dragon Ball or Naruto was having a movie, they were, weren't quite here, but they were this non-canon kind of incoherent thing that didn't match. This is extra so. But like a lot of these right. like writer movies like that too, like um, the Kabuto movie takes place in a desert, and like everyone's listening to God Bless America and wearing vests and like fighting this like chef. <laughs> but no, uh, this is a very influential movie. Um, it gets referenced a lot. Like whatever they can bring back, these suits they do. Um, it's hard for me to say. I think I just remembered it being, oh, non-canon, super different. But it actually helped me mm-hmm. make a make sense of the show's ending a little bit, watching it this time. Um, if that makes sense. Um, no, I get it. I don't think this is like a perfectly done work. Mm. But, um, man, Takabe sure is Jesus here. Um, and Adam and all these things. And, like, there's this scene where they're dancing under the tree and they're shooting down so you can see the fruit in the tree as they're dancing in their meeting. And they're like, Hey guys, paradise lost. You've read Milton recently. And I was like, well, I haven't like read Milton for like nine years, but sure. Um, (laughs) that was me. Uh, not since middle school, dude, can you give me some pointers? So Milton is just the story of how Adam and Eve got tempted is paradise lost and the story of how jesus re- resisted temptation is paradise regained gotcha super broad and so basically the story of paradise lost is there was a war that created a new world between demons and angels and now people are being tempted and like who can stay in the garden of eden is that the one gotcha. with the lucifer yeah he's there <laughs> he's hanging out i heard he was an npc I mean, he's not play So <laughs> he's a player. Um, <laughs> Paradise Lost is kind of credited with like making Lucifer hot and like gotcha. cool. He's the one that gave him like high charisma. Yes. Yes, that is exactly gotcha. true. That was the like, let's add some riz to Lucifer. That's what happens when you do charisma and start a constitution. I, I try to warn people all the time. I mean, let's be real. Like Lucifer seems like kind of a cool guy. Yeah, seems like he's got some ideas. And I don't really think he did that much wrong, to be honest. Yeah. When you analyze that story a little bit deeper, it's like, oh, okay. like I like somebody who thinks outside the box. 
There goes all of our merchandising right there when we all just said that we're uh, Satan worshippers. So, well, <laughs> the story of like when Eve takes the apple. One thing to like note is that just nobody cares that much about apples. It's from this tree that is called the tree of life and death. And basically that was like a super old timey way of saying everything knowledge like life and death is just like a shorthand for the knowledge of everything for the like Mm -hmm. knowing sin, knowing sadness, knowing things beyond like just happiness, basically. Um, And so I guess like for me, how I took this was that the story of Comrade Fies across both the show and the movie is the story about a story about knowing you're going to die, about accepting death and life like how takumi started as like the super misanthropic person and like Mm -hmm. became willing to and certainly going to die at the end of the show how he is like a like nobody there but in this he's a somebody he is a like martyr and like a savior and like it's kind of like oh the moment of him regaining his identity for being the cashew to being takumi is meant to like be the paradise lost because it's like it's him accepting life and death it's him leaving eden it's him like Mm -hmm. i'm going to die basically is what he's accepting there but i'm also going to live one of the things that this show does really well is exploring the dichotomy between them as monsters and the humanitarian side that they've always held on to and i feel like osada is a very good example of that because she has every reason to absolutely despise humanity and um, through the course of the TV series, we see her kind of give in to that a couple of times, but she's always like still at the back of her head fighting to retain this part of her that makes her human, despite the fact that humans have quite literally never given her a second thought. So that's something the show does really well is kind of try to examine all these roles between like what's an actual monster and what's, you know, people who are just trying to live their lives and go through and try to do their best. I think the way she sacrifices and dies, but still fails, but succeeds, but still dies. It is kind of like a biblical story too, just like, Mm-hmm. the way certain kinds of stories are about somebody suffering and who they are in the face of it. Um, yeah. And she so rarely complains about her suffering. And I think that's another thing that's meant to be kind of compared to the religious aspect is the fact that she's almost like monkish in that her devotion to kind of suffer for humanitarianism. I mean, the solution for her suffering is murder. <laughs> like she just murders people instead. That's true, and she does that very well a couple of really good times. I honestly wish she could do it more, because she deserved it, but what can you do? It's not perfect, but like, I think like the reason Takabi is Jesus is because he is willing to die for people's sins. He's willing to take their dreams and their sins. It's like a whole thing, like, oh, is Takabi like, taking on the burden of original sin here? Right. It's not perfectly done, but I did kind of see, okay, this is at least trying to say something to accept life is to accept death. And that's like what mm-hmm. he, what happens in both versions of this show, I guess like in the like show and movie verse. 
Right. And they do it without uh, putting his character directly through a whole lot of things. Like, they make him the number one spectator on these really big problems that his friends are having. So I think that it makes it even more believable for him to be kind of like the Jesus Christ character there, because it's not things that are directly affecting him, but through his empathy, through what the people he loves are going through, you kind of start to see why he'd want to try to be a superhero, even in the smallest way. And like, it's just, I think I like like some parts of the story. Like I like having Kiba as Judas, having him be this person who is willing to betray his friend, who is willing to like do him harm, who is in both versions of the story, like, like contributing to like his death Um, more so Mm. in the show. But it's a little messy. It's definitely like you had an idea because Christianity is cool, I guess, at that point in Japan. I don't know. Uh, you know, I think I think it works as far as what it's trying to say on the character level. But this show does kind of just always fail whenever you think beyond the character to character level, I think. But mm-hmm. where it gets to on that level, I'm still like positive, I think. I don't know. Yeah. But yeah, um, so I'm not gonna read Milton again for this, uh, but Milton is a little hard to get into, but basically just hey, um can you live with temptation and sin and, and like how do you live after it? And like I think it's like meant to at the end is Takabi Mari, like Adam and Eve. Mari's always been like the virgin like Mary. That's always been a thing. Like in like in the show in here, there's like lots of parallels, but yeah, I was kind of hoping she'd get a little bit of a redemption in the movie. Clearly she didn't, but it, this uh, ongoing thing throughout the series of her, like being the literal representation of the Madonna horror complex has been a lot to go through. I was hoping she'd get something, but clearly not. I think they characterize her though, as being like, Hey, can you stop? I'm just a person. Like <laughs> Yeah, uh-huh. no, and, and I'm not I'm not trying to like victim blame at all, but I'm I'm talking about like because you see so much so much of this through the other characters' perceptions of her. And she very much the entire time is just trying to live her life. Like she has the exact equal amount of love for all of these dudes that are around her. But every once in a while, one of them pops up and is like, I can't live without you. And she's like, oh, God, now what? <laughs> I don't know. I was hoping she'd get some kind of response in this movie, and she didn't. But you know, at least they didn't make it any worse. So go for that. I think getting to live how she wants is kind of a response, you know, like getting to yeah, that's true. live and say, I don't care about what you what you think of me. And she does, like, walk off in the sunset with Takumi, who is the other guy who could care less about what anybody else expects of them. So that's probably perfect. Like, I could see them having a great, like, uh, Friends trailer park for the rest of their lives. It's also, like, in the show, I feel like there's a lot of, like, new type Gundam stuff where it's like, oh, you're, like, a new type of person and what is next? So, like, I'm just wondering if, like... Is the world they're walking into, is it the now the Orphanox are like new to the world like humans were after the wars between heaven and it's I don't think 
that Itoe is a religious scholar. I think that yeah. in the aftermath of World War II, uh, there was its interplay of culture between Japan and America that got weird. And this is just one of many examples of that, I would say. Yeah, because that would be so shocking, the interplay between America and Japan being weird. Yeah, I'm not sure. Can you think of any media, David? <laughs> Completely original idea. <laughs> Any Japanese media that uses Christianity in confusing ways? I can't think of any. Uh, not a single one. No. <laughs> but I bet if they made one, it would sell really well. You could put that shit on everything. <laughs> like tape measures. Uh, you could make it into a lobster. I found one, David, actually. Mm. Um, it's called Bible Black. Oh, okay. I mean, hey, it's got Bible in the title. People are going to love it. Hotcakes in America. <laughs> Some kind of cake. Uh, uh, mm, mm. It's more like a pie, really. Yeah. Ugh, man. <laughs> <laughs> Don't look up Bible Black unless you want to have a 90s time. <laughs> or unless you want a direct link to the Common uh, Ride With Me website. <laughs> If we did an episode on Bible Black, <laughs> that would be a lot. So I want to talk about some other stuff. But first, I did find this video that I would love to watch together. Bible characters in the style of Kamen Rider. Here for it. So is this it's like YouTube short. AI generated like mm -hmm. characters as Kamen Rider? I mean, I love it. I could do that right now if you really wanted me to. We'll want to count us down, David, and we'll watch this together. Okay. Oh, hang on. It's auto-played for me here. I'm going to have to zip it back to the start. Okay. Three, two, one, play. Hmm. <laughs> oh, God damn it. I was so happy. <laughs> Saul looks like fucking, um, uh, what's his name from, uh, Saint Seiya. Adam, though, I'm in love. This is kind of like Bible characters in the style of Soul Calibur characters as Kamen Riders. I, I don't know. I get, for him, I get very much like Gold Dragon from Saint Seiya. Like, mm -hmm. he, he gave me that vibe. Like, if, if he didn't have the, the helmet and stuff that's the vibe i got because he looks like he looks exactly the same it's a very similar style <laughs> i think this person might be doing this for one piece other common rider shows good for them i mean here's kiba yeah. it just writes itself but i just was like hmm has anybody done any work on how the bible's in cover rider fives and i found this and i was like it's using the fives theme Good for this person. They know their target audience. It's me. But no. So, like... <laughs> uh, there's so much to say about Cub Rider Fies from here on out, though. Um, but first, I think maybe we should just talk about what comes next. Cool. Okay. So, we are going to look at Cub Rider Decade. We're not going to do full summaries. We're just going to super skim them um, for four two-episode arcs. The one for Fize, for Deno, for Kiva, and for Hibiki, because those are the four shows we covered. Mm -hmm. So, 
I will have linked in the episode description a like PDF that just will tell you how to do it. Um, or maybe like an article. Uh, but so just if you know enough to find but it's episodes, um I'll just link it. Um uh, because it is more confusing to say. But then let's talk about a quick connection from Deno to Decade. Okay. Commander Deno, we covered. It's very popular. Uh-huh. It has its show. It has its movie. Yes. It continues to have movies after most Comrade shows are dead and buried. <laughs> it has. Um... Oh, speaking of Common Rider, this is not, I mean, it does have stuff to do with Common Rider. I went out to karaoke last night and there's currently at karaoke Khan a crossover between Common Rider Geats and karaoke Khan. Okay. What did that entail? I don't know exactly because I just saw the poster. I'm like, oh, that's weird. <laughs> oh, interesting. I mean, you could go sing some Common Rider songs. I mean, you could. I mean, I do. I would love to hear. I would love to hear David just going ham on like the like Garo theme. Oh, here it is. I found it. That'd be awesome. Oh, dude, I've sung the Garo theme before. It's great. That probably like fried your like throat though a little bit uh what's it say common writer geats four people four ace four ace and the black fox cross karaoke con collaboration campaign that's the movie that came out from july till the end of this month cool i don't know what that means I I'm I'm not a hundred percent sure what it means. So give me a minute, and I'll I'll find out for you. Well, we're finding that. So after Deno, it has a a like crossover, which is um, Commander Deno and Kiva Climax Cop, which is sounds about right. Climax Cop. Yeah. Uh, before no nut November, one guy was in charge of it. Okay, hang on. Oh. Fucking Momotaros wielding a fucking raging bull is an amazing yes. fucking picture. I'm here for I it. I love this. So because we don't want to cover all of Commander Deno's movies, we aren't going here next. But it is basically just what if the cast of Deno was cops and they have to stop the mafia uh. and they stop the mafia that's working with Renegade Imogen. I mean, who among us hasn't had to deal with that particular problem? Kiva is very barely in this. It's very barely in this movie. Um, honestly, sounds about right. Yeah. Then there is the final Commander Deno movie, because they're like, oh, we have to end this thing, so they make Farewell Deno, the final countdown. Which is like meant to be the last Comrade Deno movie, because um, mm-hmm. it's time to move on. Then Comrade Decade comes out because it is the show after Kiva, which is the show after Deno, and because it's a big anniversary season, they have a crossover arc in the show, and then they get rid of half the cast for the Super Deno series because they finished the Comrade Deno series. They're starting As the Super does. Deno series. Cho Deno. 
All of this just sounds so fucking appropriate. Like, I know I should be arguing with you at points, but it's it just all fits Wait, so hang on. This movie is called Chodeno and Decade Onigashima no Chosen? Yes. Decade's in this movie more than Kiva was in their movie. He's definitely in the title more, so that makes sense. So basically, just the reason... Say the name over and over. I brought up those three movies is because the arc we're watching in decade for Deno is going to end and say, come see this movie. We're not going to watch that <laughs> just for context. Um, Good to know. But basically at this point, Ryotaro, his actor is gone to go play Kenshin. Um, so that makes sense. It's, it's a younger version of him and a younger version of, of Yuto and a character they introduced that's his grandson from the future as new Deno, who is well, yeah. From there, there are more Deno movies. There's like the year after, there's three super Deno movies that are like, what if new Deno from the future had bad luck? What if this treasure oh, wow. hunter met Deno? What if Yuto finally like fell in love with Ari? And they're all 90 minute movies that came out. Then there's a a crossover with the next next show. So five, six years after Deno's ended. Then that turns into general Kamen Rider, Super Sentai, just everyone coming in crossover specials. They went nuts. Yeah. So we're eventually going to watch one of those. But for now, I just wanted to set up that the arc we're watching in Decade is related to a movie that we're not going to watch. All right. I kind of look forward to a strong this connection, so I appreciate it. We are starting to run long, though, so I just want to, because we are skipping the first two arcs of a Come Rider decade, I do want to watch just the cold open of the first episode to get a little uh, context for what the show is about. Hell yeah. Because basically, Come Rider decade is um, the first anniversary show of the modern era. It is notoriously not finished or coherent um is also like very notoriously cool uh that's what i'll say in the episode notes will be the first episode of comrade decade on the toy youtube channel the whole show then here is the first cold open and uh the first intro for uh comrade decade Ah, the good old quarry. That is not to me. Oh, wow. The fuck? All right. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Here for it. Some cool motorcycles. Can't go without them, yeah. A lot of riot troopers. Of course. Is that a dragon castle? I haven't I haven't seen uh, Kiva. That's from Kiva. Yeah. Yeah, it's got Kiva stank all over it. That's Hibiki. 
This is all in a quarry, by the way, in case you didn't know what Toku was. Yeah. <laughs> we all know the quarry. A lot of explosions. Fires. The trains from Deno. Man, they really, like, just pulled everything out of storage, huh? They laid it on thick. <laughs> That's dangerous. These motorcycle studs. I like how she's just standing around like, oh, did I cause all this? Me? All the common riders are dying now. Yeah, she doesn't give a fuck, heartless bitch. <laughs> Exploded. <laughs> Decade. Decade. Damn. Okay. Uh, don't spoil the now intro. Now here's Gact. Oh, it's my Gact. Damn. You're gonna get claimed as fuck if you play this song. Nope. After the intro, we'll stop. Man, you... You know a song is a gag song the second you fucking hear it, because his voice is so just, like, weirdly unique. <laughs> I love the helmet moment. Okay. I think we can stop right there. So, Kamara Decade, just for context, uh, that is just um, the cold open to the show. That's as much as you really get to explain why the show is happening. Uh, but basically, Kamara Decade is told he needs, he is the destroyer of worlds. He needs to visit other worlds. He's this guy with amnesia that gets found by this girl and her grandpa that owned this like photo studio. He's really bad at taking pictures. Um, and people complain about it. The backdrops they pull down for photos end up being portals to the other worlds of common riders. Oh, um, interesting. And in the first two arcs, he meets Comrider Kuga and then Comrider Kiva. So we'll start in the second arc where he meets Kiva. Cool. With a twist is what I'll say to all of the people he meets. You really need to know that Decade is in the multiverse and he's causing shenanigans. So next time, It'll be clear. There will be a clear document in the notes and just I'll add on um, to follow. But we are looking at the Kiva, then the Fies, then the Deno, then the Hibiki arcs. With that, though, everyone, let's take some questions. Sounds good. Cool. Um, this first question is a doozy for everyone. Y- y- I don't think. Did you, did you post the doc? Did I miss it? Did I not post the doc? Oh, here it is. Yes. No, it's it's way up in the oh, thing because no. we posted so many. Uh, Pictures here. Pictures of Takumi looking yeah, at yeah, Kiva's yeah. dick. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I uh, want to take the first question 
David? Sure, because this seems right up my alley. So, uh, it says, hi, coming right at me. I just wanted to let you know more about Giga Tokusatsu. Uh, if you don't remember what Giga Tokusatsu was, it's like Tokusatsu, but also pornography. Um, anyway, the way to distribute the series is even funnier than you all realize. What they do for most series is make a six episode story with five pervy yet not porn episodes available on platforms like YouTube. These episodes will try and tell a basic tokusatsu story, but often end on a cliffhanger. If you want to see the end of the series and or the porn, you have to buy the not free sixth episode and watch that either (laughs) and watch that for either the climax of the story. Sometimes they end the plot and the last episode is an epilogue happy ending. Instead, hope this helps adjunct Grimer. (laughs) Yo, that's cool as fuck. Man, that is that is a, Honestly, a hell of yeah. a marketing scheme. I'm not gonna lie, because like you know there are people who like legitimately get to be fans of the plot lines. Mm-hmm. I, you know, and they're like, "Oh no, what happened to Mirror Milkers?" I don't know, whatever. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> More people should do that. Just release something, and then if you want the ending. You have to buy this porn. I, yeah, I mean, I guess that's something. That probably does great for them. <laughs> let's release a bunch of pervy, like, let's make a, like, short film, basically, pervy, and then release a porn. I'm pretty sure there's an entire genre of Steam games that survive because of that. True. I like how some of them are, like, the cliffhanger, and some of them are, like, an epilogue. That's pretty good. Yeah. My fave. What if like the last episode of Fies was a poor and we had to pay for it? That'd be very funny. I don't think I'd watch it. No? I don't you know, I, I just I knew all along that Mari was gonna be the top in all of these relationships. I don't really need visual confirmation of her just whipping everybody to the side. Listen, if Sayako's in it, you can take my money. That's true. <laughs> I mean, fair. Um, that is fair. Um, but Steph, want to take the question from Jesse? Sure. Hi, book club. Have you heard, have you heard of Common Writer Five 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 Grotesque Flowers or Nine One Three? Here's the link. I would love to know what you think about the story they tell. I am very mixed on the whole thing myself. Also, Kip, did you see there is a modern Ryukindo sub link? Alright, so I took those links out because uh, just whatever. Uh, but I did not see the Rukendo. That's so cool, Jesse. I don't think that's a good book club show, but that's <laughs> close to my heart. Um, Rukendo is just like Gilmore Girls, but Tokusatsu. Um, oh, gotcha. <laughs> it's just about okay. the small town that has like demon problems. And like it, it's like, can you hang out with like the grocery store owner and help him deal with how the demons fucked up his groceries? It was like coming out like the same time as like Garo was trying to be like a new Tokusatsu series. This show was too. Mm-hmm. Very opposite shows. Um, and then like halfway through, it just gets really fucking like heavy metal badass and like they get new suits and the action gets a lot better. Huh. Interesting. It was Takara Tomi's first attempt at Tokusatsu. Then they made like a bunch of like rescue vehicles where it was based off their cars and stuff where it was like oh here's like the firefighter and here's like the medic and here's the cop hmm. rescue force and rescue fire 
which had a bunch of jam project openings too. And they spent the big bucks then. They were. Uh, but like it was all like sentient versions of like natural disasters, I think. Like here's like a tornado lady and here's a fire lady. I think you'd run out pretty quick if that's the case. Are they like reoccurring characters? Oh, uh, okay, yeah. That makes more sense. Uh, but they like ran that for a couple of years and I think they stopped because they made more f- money doing like Tokusatsu, like World War Two, like naval documentaries or something. That's what I remember happening. <laughs> That's probably 100% what it was. No reason to research anybody. But so grotesque flowers. We'll get to that in a second. Um, <laughs> Come Rider 913 um, is something I haven't watched. It seems cool. Um, but basically, um, 913 was a. Um, I will put a link here right now, actually. Um, it was. It ran from for five volumes from 2019 to t- 2022. It was a Kusika manga. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I'm good without that for the rest of my life. Yeah. Yes. And the final volume has a has the actor wrote the forward to it. (laughs) Ew. That's it. Um, It seems fine. Um, I don't really know anything about it besides it's um, seems fine, I guess. Um, It's a retelling of like the middle of the show, I think. But that other thing you were talking about <laughs> I was kind of waiting to talk about it and I was kind of hoping never to talk about it the grotesque flowers yes grotesque flowers is the common writer Fies Comrade Fies true story deformed flowers or grotesque flowers depends on like how you like read it but is a novel for common writer Fies written by Inoue uh it's a different story okay is what I'll say. Uh, just judging from the fucking the fucking cover, it looks uh, pretty fucking dark. Right. It is a different story derogatory, though. Mm. Smart Brain and Lucky Clover and all that doesn't exist. I haven't read it. There is a fan translation that I think finished last year. Um, I did. I've seen enough posts about it and watched like a YouTube video of it. So, like, to just compare, so Yuka in this version of the story is abused by her mom. She is mute. She has to eat ants to survive when she's locked in her room. She becomes oh, an orphanoc after she content warning for uh, suicide, self-harm, sexual assault. Um, she becomes an orphanoc when she uses her long hair to hang herself, but then becomes an orphanoc. Wait, she uses her own hair to hang herself. Good God. Yo, that's metal. That's metal as fuck. <laughs> Yes. It is, but my god. <laughs> um Mari is dating Kiba and they have a barbecue so that Mari's friends could meet Kiba's friends. There's sex scenes in this book between Mari and Kiba and Katero and like Yuka. Um oh. so things are about to get dark. Kusika leads this like group called the like Kaiza Corpse, which is just like a secret police that hunts and kills orthodox mm-hmm. he begins a non-consensual sexual relationship with mari ew she is still 16 in this book 
Ew. Yes. He kills Yuka. Ew. In her ashes is a baby that Katero finds and raises. He names it Yusuke. Jesus Christ. That's kind of cool. I'm not going to lie. That's I hope like there's like a revenge plot later on with that. <laughs> this is where things get a little weird. Oh, here's where it gets weird. I was about to say what? What? <laughs> Sorry, I can't keep saying this. Um, so Kiba's so mad at him for killing Yuka and doing what he's done to Mari that he rips his limbs and jaw off and leaves him for dead. As one does. Then, apparently, this is where the original book ended, with, like, Mari goes to Takubi, who hasn't played guitar for anyone, and is like, can you play guitar, like, just me and you? And he's like, yeah. And then he's, like, about to dust, but the snow falls, and he he stops dying. And then the book ends. Oh. However... In 2013, all of the Heisei Kamen Rider books that came out, some of them were a little more normal. Some of them weren't. Um, <laughs> like, in the Kamen Rider Ryuki one, they say a character got born in a toilet and grew up eating poop. And that's just what a character did. Um, fucking eat away, I guess. Um, um, yeah, why not? <laughs> so, in 2013, they added five-year-later epilogues to, to these books. And I guess the one for Fies is kind of long. And it's revealed that Saya, the girl who gave Takumi the Delta Gear in the show, found limbless, jawless Kusika. She's also the dragon orphanoc, like Kitazaki. And she uses him as a sex slave for five years. What the fuck? Honestly. Is this this like the book that like... Inoue was like, oh, I need to write another tokusatsu show for children. I'm just going to write all the evil, like, bad shit into one book and get it out of my system so I can write a more wholesome series. This happened after the series. Yeah, but I'm sure he's written stuff after that. I mean, Shogeki Goraigan happens after this, unfortunately. Yeah, unfortunately. Like, there was one after Jetman, but that one was less mutilation and non-consent. I think that one was just like, man, what if a bunch of these characters had sex, essentially, and they fought uh, Nazis? It was all cool. Um, But no, so then at this point, there's this whole thing where, like, Yusuke, the baby, has aged up to being a teen in five years, and he lives with Mari and, and, like, Keitaro and Takumi, and, like, then there's a whole thing where, like, um... As Saya dies, um, Kusika dies, but Kusika comes back to life and is the spider orphanoc, and he gets all of his limbs and jaw back, and he starts mm-hmm. to hunt down people um, until Takumi is able to kill him. But then Takumi dusts, and Yusuke, the teen daughter, the teen son of Yuka and Lakatoro, becomes the new Fies, and is like, I'm going to save the world. And the book ends. So yeah, that's a book. It seems right. You can read it. It's translated from Japanese to English. I don't know if I don't know what it's what kind of read that is for you. Um, you shouldn't read it. No, no, is what we're getting at. You shouldn't. I got time. Maybe I'll read it and report back to you. That's why Kip said, "Let David do it, and he'll give us a load." Listen, I live in a country of depraved psychopaths. Uh, I'll be okay. I see it every day. Just got to walk 
You know, I just like, you know, one walk down Akihabara is about the, the same amount of weird fucked up shit I see. So we are we have our own monk on staff. So I will say not canon of for obvious reasons. Close enough. Close enough. Sometimes you're Jesus. Sometimes it's worse than that. Uh, but at this point, the only canon we have to worry about is how the show ended. That is the only canon or plot or that is what relates to what's coming next. Um, but <laughs> thanks, Jesse. I'm excited to watch Ruka do again. And I'm the opposite of excited for everything else you did to us. Yeah. This next one is from Bhakti. Um, Helicopter Rider fans. Greetings from Indonesia. Growing up in Indonesia, I was a big fan of Kamen Rider and a big fan of 555. Uh, that's the official name of Fives. Um, I really like the way that the Orphanox suit looks and the way that the Rider players fight. How would you like the show if you were a child when you first saw it? Thank you, Bhakti. I mean, I was a teen when I saw it. Uh, or like a tween. Yeah, I was 32 years old, so uh, I maybe can't really comment on that. <laughs> I was 40. Um, but, I mean, it's fun. I feel like if it is a show that I would have caught back in my younger years, I probably would have been glued to the TV every week to see the next episode. Had a lot going for it. I mean, it could be a pretty silly in some instances, but it's a really good story all around. I would have been excited for it, I think. No, um, as a kid, I would have been like, wow, cool kick and stuff. Like, mm -hmm. even as a teen, I kind of like didn't grok as much. It has good characters. I like the characters. Um, but yeah, thanks, Bakhti. Um, want to take, um, the next one. Who wants the next one? From I'll do it. I think David needs that sure. one. I mean, I didn't volunteer. I haven't read it yet, but I'll, I'll read it now. Um, again. All right. El Hijo de Big Balls. <laughs> Big yeah, Ball was the nice guy, Back right? again. Because Slim Penis was the villain. S Slim of that story. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway. Uh, <laughs> hi, guys. I just wanted to follow up with what I sent early in Fies. I really like the ending of Fies, but it took me a while to come to liking it. I think the movie and subsequent specials helped me understand the self-sacrificing themes of Fies more, too. And this watch, as an adult fan, was really cool. I guess that really wasn't a question, but to have one, are you a fan of any weird or malign endings to media you like, especially ones that the fandom doesn't tend to? I like both Full Metal Alchemist endings personally, and I know that's not popular. Um, hmm. Uh, hang on. The The question is, are there endings that are malign, like people hate that you like is the question? Yeah. Yeah. Fucking so, everything yeah. with Star Wars. I don't like any modern Star Wars thing that people are like, this is the best thing since sliced bread. I'm like, you need to get a lobotomy. <laughs> Same. But like. I like a lot of endings to things that people don't like. Like I like a lot of like weird, ambiguous endings to shows or movies that like people don't mm. like. Yeah. I can't think of any right now. <laughs> yeah. Not off the top of my head. I like the end of Fies. I know there's endings that I hate. Uh, I actually, yeah, no, I kind of had the opposite. I remember back in the early nineties when Blair Witch Project came out, I fucking loved the ending to that movie and everybody on the free planet hated it. 
And to this day, I'm just like, no, you legitimately cannot pick out a better, bigger ending for that movie. And everybody's just like, no, I totally can't. No, probably not the best subject for me. I had this a lot in school when I were like reading books or watching like older movies or people like, why did it end that way? And I was like, well, that was cool. What are you talking about? I love Cabin with Dr. Calgary, but right. I'm not going to think of. Uh, thanks, El Hijo Del Big Balls. Um, yeah, sorry, we're not more exciting with that I mean, one. I, I can think of a specific ending that I fucking hate that I don't know if people like or not. The dream ending? It is a dream ending. Yes! Fuck that ending! You're such a hack writer if that's your ending. It is It is so much worse than that, though. Let's throw up some spoilers. Uh, what show or movie is it? Uh, it's not a show, it's a game. Okay. It is... Uh, spoilers for a game that's like fucking 20 years old now I think that's how old it is it's pretty old let me look but uh, it's for Star Ocean till the end of time okay and the entire game you go through the entire game and the game is fucking long like hundreds and hundreds of hours and then in like the final moments they just go like oh actually the game you were playing and the story that you're following was actually you just in a video game and none of it actually happened. And you're just in space on like riding on a fucking starship. And I'm like, fuck you. I can't believe you did that. (laughs) I get it. Oh yeah. Um, I remember a dream ending. Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening. You find out the whole thing is the dream of the dream fish. You're like, wow. But no, I uh, want to take the question from Raphael, Steph. Sure. Uh, hey, book club. I really liked your Fies coverage. Thank you, Raphael. Um, do you think a show like Fies could be made today? A lot of modern toku shows are much brighter and more toy-focused instead of dramas like the shows I grew up with, and I'd love a throwback-type show. I'll be honest, I don't know anything about modern toku. Everything that I know is what we've covered here, so I'm going to have to sit this one out and leave it up to you guys. I mean, the most modern thing we've covered, I guess, was Go Rigon. And that was a different kind of toy, Focus. Uh, no, um, I mean, hey, I'm the guy who's like, I like the when they're dramas with homeless characters in the 2000s. Hell yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, it's a different thing. Like, who likes this? Who's a fan of something that they've been a fan of for long enough to like to see like multiple new versions and like them as much? Yeah. And have like a time capsule of them. Like, even if Star Wars was good, I wouldn't like it as much as Star Wars I grew up with. (laughs) (laughs) You know? You you just like insulted the Star Wars fans so many ways. <laughs> I mean, it, it's it's fine. Uh, <laughs> it's fine. We stand by it. I mean, like, though it's not like a nostalgia thing. It's a format thing. Like, I think Commander has tried to do this stuff. Like, Commander Black Sun came out last year, and that was basically Commander Fies, but also they added a scene where they killed the Prime Minister <laughs> on the anniversary <laughs> of his death. That's pretty impressive. Uh, no. Um, what do you think, David? Like, it's just a different style, I, maybe. Like, like, I don't think that the I don't think that you couldn't do it. I just think that now there's less of a market per se. 
I think like it's it's really become um more uh not polarized but a little bit more split between what's for children and what's for adults and like sometimes they overlap but in the case like if you had just played fives mm-hmm. right now to a modern audience of of people i i don't think it really serves a it would serve either group it's kind of like in a weird middle ground where some people would like it some people wouldn't and it's kind of like whatever mm-hmm. whereas more modern like geats and gotchard seems to be i haven't watched much of gotchard but it it seems like that's just going to be a fucking toy factory um those are definitely like way more catered toward kids yeah it's also like just like marketing they realized oh there weren't enough toys in fives like there were like 10 toys in fives there's 60 in like gotcha right you know? yeah, yeah if not more well not only that but we're kind of in a weird period with superhero shit right now so this probably in another time period might do better for an american audience but it we're an audience that's like coming off of a long period of Marvel movies. So our perception of superheroes is probably very different from the original intended audience for a lot of Toku. So it'd be interesting to kind of see if they ever did make a really large crossover, how it would be received here. I think just because of how much toys matter, if it was like intentionally made like Garo to not be like a toy having right. show, I'm sure it would do fine, but also Agaro has been a more sporadic series in Kamen Rider. They'd find a way to make it work for sure, yeah. I don't know. Like, not to say like a show has to be super mature, angsty. It was it was also just the style of the time was a lot of shows yeah. were angsty J yeah. dramas or dramas. But no. Uh thanks for the questions. Um and also for the memes, I guess. Uh but regardless, that brings us to our questions. Um, and of course, everybody, who are your top three favorite characters in Cover Rider oh, Five's Paradise God. Lost? Oh God. Um, you know what? Okay, I'll do my three here. I'm gonna say number three is Smart Lady because they gave her way more to do in this movie than she ever did in the fucking series. <laughs> we never talk, but she does just kill the yeah. president. Yeah, straight up assassinate. She, she, when she puts them in like a fucking like like a garbage crusher or something, she's like bye bye, and then she <laughs> yeah. turns it on with like happy glee. And when it blows up, she's like ooh. <laughs> yeah. Um, I say like her. I say Keitaro is one just to see him be Kaija, and it's really like it, it out of context. If you were to like watch the series and then like show the clip of Keitaro as Kaija, it'd be really funny because like there's a part where he, like he kills the orphan and he just goes like yay, and it looks so like the the body language <laughs> looks so out of place. Uh, and then, oh god, number one, hmm, hmm. I was going to say Kiba, but he's so fucking weird in this. And like, I don't understand his arc at all. I don't know. I don't even know if I could give someone a number one. No one. You know, I'm going to give it to a leader of the resistance. uh, Mizuhara, who just has the most coiffed hair and is like so gung ho to fucking kill Orphanox. That guy's like ready to go. Yeah, it's really good hair. What about you, Steph? Who are your favorites? 
For number three, uh, I'm going to go with Osada. I really liked, even if it was just for a small moment, her getting to have a little bit of attitude and uh, tell Kaido, well, it's just because you love me. And kind of seeing him lose his mind. I know it's just like such a small part of the movie, but I liked her finally having a moment where she like got to be a real person instead of just a pushover. Um, For number two, I liked... Oh, man, this is tough. I liked Hiba. I felt like his character wasn't as developed in this movie as it was during the TV series. But, you know, what can you do? It's a movie. Um, And number one, I'm going to have to go with Mari. Like, at first, I didn't even recognize her. And then as the movie started to go on, you started to see, like, more and more of those kind of skills that made her Mari throughout the TV series. So, yeah, that's my three. Hmm. Hey, I think if I had to be, I would probably go number three Kiba just because I actually really do like this is another shot at their final battle and their rivalry. I think Mm. like the way he's tricked, the way he reacts, him becoming Orga, their whole fight. I think that is all super well done. Um I think it's like, okay, yeah, I believe that he would fight Takubi here. I believe that he would get tricked. I believe that he would have as much heat. Um, Number two, I guess Mari. um, She's the most character in this movie. She gets the most scenes. She gets to dance Mm -hmm. with Takubi under the, like, Garden of Eden tree. She gets to be the Virgin Mary. She gets to be Eve. Um, All confusing things. Um, I think she does do a pretty good job about, like, just, like, she explains so much and has to like put an emotional cord so much this movie that she like does a pretty good job right. i think number one hmm actually it's hard i'm gonna swap a little bit put mario number one and <laughs> say number two is takumi because i realized mario did more than yeah. takumi here um but i think that you know he he's takumi i liked his stuff of like haha i guess i did slice through darkness ha huh? just kind of like being himself in the face of being the chosen one was like pretty charming, I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, favorite toku effects, new suits, fight scenes, monsters. And no matter how many times I've seen it, I will never get tired of the uh, Fi's finishing move. It it doesn't matter who does it because we even saw, saw it with uh, Kitaro doing it. But I really, really love that, you know that kick in and that uh, circle with a slash through it. it it's beautiful. Mm. What about you, David? When Kusuga gets shot to the chest. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, but like seriously. Um, no, uh, I think a lot of the stuff with the, uh, I forget the name of the, the white suit. Saiga. Uh, Saiga. Yeah, Saiga is, it's pretty cool. Like when he shows up and he's like fighting all those like, little uh the the other common writer like the goobers and he's just like has the chain guns at his hip and he's just blasting people and flying around with the jetpack like it's pretty neat i i any anything he's in is, is pretty yeah. good usually i do think that um seeing the design of the orphanoc in the kaiju was actually pretty cool like mm-hmm. it's like not it's not trying to be perfect cg like a lot of cg is trying to look otherworldly and it was also 2003 so it like but having that level of detail to be like oh you can see the dude there right that's pretty cool yeah um 
and I like the new forms people get. Um, a lot of stuff gets made for this movie that they use a little bit later. It's like, oh, we made someone for this movie. We should use it somewhere else, huh? Um, but yeah. And then, um, last question. Best outfits. Hmm. A lot of looks here. I mean, everyone just kind of wears, like, military fatigues, right? Like... <laughs> Or like your like generic freedom fighter look. Uh, Cuba when he comes out uh, in the last set of scenes, his black and gold costume. I I think that's probably one of my favorite costumes I've seen so far. Oh yeah, do you have one, David or Don? Uh, I really like the president. His outfit. <laughs> his outfit yeah. of the yeah. the respirator machine. <laughs> <laughs> let's be real here he looked more comfortable than anyone to be honest can someone do like smart brain president versus hydrogen pump <laughs> uh, but no, uh, yeah I think um, Leo's look is pretty good too I like how the when you're an emperor in this universe you're just somebody who's like at gym class um, it's a fun thing naturally yeah and I like uh, the um, white like dancing outfits when they're like getting back Takabe's like memory. Those are pretty good. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Um now let's retreat to Ancestry to the Woods. And like we are in the Magic Kingdom closing down Disney, let's plug ourselves like a bear. Uh, yeah. Steph, where can people find you when you're not talking about all this stuff? Uh, you can find me on uh, www.arcademilitia.com. You can find me on threads at nobody much. Um, aside from that, you can find me probably hiding under a uh, pile of leaves since it's autumn here now. David? You can find me on the Tokyo Fresh podcast or on Instagram at Zyrell. You could find uh, me on Twitter at James Forge on co-host at James D the podcast on on Twitter at Common Ride with me on co-host at Common Ride. Um, still working on Blue Sky, but also maybe just who knows if their social media after this. Um, you can go to uh for episodes and articles. There's links out to uh, different platforms if you do slash episodes and merch at slash merch. All proceeds for merch go to the Trevor Project. There is Common Ride with me. Uh. There's podcast at comedy.com if you want to ask questions, send in memes, stuff. Um, the other show is starting soon on its new year, looking at Kaizuko Sentai Gokaiger throughout the year and uh, pairing it with different things. That means the first episode is going to be first two episodes of Gokaiger, the first two of Gotchard. We are not following Gotchard the whole year, uh, just the first couple episodes. And yeah, um, of course, just as you need to hear it right before this will be in the notes what we are doing next but it is the four arcs in tribute to comrade kiva tribute which is episodes four and five of comrade decade there is the comrade fies tribute episodes 10 11 of comrade decade there is the deno tribute episodes 14 and 15 comrade decade and the hibiki tribute episodes 18 and 19 of comrade decade <laughs> we are not watching the movies. This is just to get to what's going on with uh, Fies and then also just see what else uh, the other shows uh, we've watched have uh, had happen to them. Next time we will tell you where to go next.
But for now, everybody, like the Bible teaches, do we have any lessons to, to show anybody? Oh, man. <laughs> Did we learn anything today? Sometimes things don't need a movie. That's my lesson. Sometimes less is more. Yeah. What do you think, Steph? Do you have a lesson today? My lesson is uh, if your tongue is too sensitive for ramen, maybe just uh, sit back and let somebody else pick up the belt. Hmm. I think my lesson is sometimes when you got to learn a new skill, you know, just like Takami, the reason he survived slash Kusika was while Kusika was freaking out about the fact that his mom was shoes. Takumi was making his own mom or shoes. <laughs> it's all there. Is that is that is that because he's the allegory for Jesus Christ? Of course. Yeah, like a little cobbler, like yeah, carpenter, yeah, yeah. same kind of. Yeah. No, but he's like he's like you know the virgin birth, like he made his own mom type of deal. Some kind of virgin son. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh yes, I don't think any of us is surprised by that. And because he made sure that his mom had a like perfect soul Mm -hmm. she was born without like original sin like mary so like her whole body went to heaven yeah so many so many parallels of course so many non-sins and 555 that's what you tap with your shoes your mother that's what i hear your mother's suede shoe is like a wild insult that's all i'll say my feelings are hurt (laughs) your mother's a shoe And your father's a sock.